welcome back to Unconditional and Uncensored. We are your hosts, Lauren and Renata, and here you'll find the essence of an unconditional, unapologetic, uncensored friendship. So, today I want to play a game, the Hoga game. Mm-hmm. Yes, I know the name is not that self-explanatory, so <laughs> maybe I should explain that first. Hoga, which is spelled H-Y-G-G-E, and I hope I'm not butchering the pronunciation of that, is a Danish concept. And it's one that means a quality of coziness and comfortable conviviality that engenders a feeling of contentment or well-being. So basically a cozy feeling where you're around your loved ones, that that kind of like happy feeling that you have when, you know, people around you are laughing, you're having a good time, um, you know, everything, you just feel content and happy with the world. Mm-hmm. Can we just have a definition of conviviality? Quality of being friendly and lively, friendliness. Okay. So the Danes pride themselves on this being a core piece of their Danish culture. And since I spend a week in Denmark every month for work, I've become quite familiar with the term. Mm-hmm. Um, on my most recent visit to Denmark for work in the airport, I discovered that they've made a card game uh, based on this concept. It's kind of a, it's not like a card game like Solitaire or anything. It's... um more of sort of an icebreaker conversation starter kind of activity that you can do in groups. Mm-hmm. Um, the cards have got a bunch of random questions on them and then you take turns answering. And um, my parents were here over the weekend and I bought this game for my mom and she and I were looking through some of the questions and it really, it got me thinking. Some of these questions might be very interesting to sort of answer at random on the podcast. Mm-hmm. So I thought let's, Let's chuck a few of these questions into a spinning wheel and answer them and see what we come up with. I think some of the questions are very simple, but uh, I, I do think that there are some that really make you stop and think. Sounds like a lot of fun. And I think it will also give everyone an idea of how our heads work and what our perspectives on life are. Get to know us a little bit better as well. So just to be clearer, I've put a bunch of these questions into kind of like a roulette wheel program thing online. So I don't know what order they're going to come out in or if we'll even answer all of them. I guess we'll just see how it goes with time. Um, but yeah, let's keep it fun. Shall we get going? Yep, let's get to it. Okie dokie. I'm going to spin the wheel. What movie do you wish they'd make a sequel to? Oh, fuck. I'm terrible with this type of stuff. (laughs) I don't really watch movies. I wanted to say Titanic, but then I think Leonardo DiCaprio and Kate Winslet wouldn't be impressed with me. Um, It would have been interesting to see a little bit more how life turned out. Um, Well, not not for Leonardo DiCaprio. He did die. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, you know, it would have been... um, what was her name in the movie? Rose. It like, would have been nice to have seen, you know, what happened in those, what is it, these 84 long years. Yes, but, or they could do like a positive spin on it. Do a positive spin, make it into something like a, I don't know, a cartoon, an animation, um, something that's fun that kids can learn from, but put a positive spin on it towards the end and change the ending. So how do you put a positive spin on the Titanic sinking? I don't know. Everyone survives. People get rescued. They live happily ever after together. Oh, but that's not historically accurate then. <laughs> I know. Well, I guess Hollywood movies don't need to always be uh, historically accurate. Okay, next one. 
and the wheel is spinning. Have you ever become best friends with one of your enemies? No. Have you? Um, well, I wouldn't say that we were enemies, but I do have a close friend that we also studied with that when we first met in first year, I thought she was a bitch and she thought I was a bitch. And um, we really, we didn't really have a lot to do with each other. And then I think it was about third year, ended up becoming best of friends because we had to do a whole bunch of um, sort of group work together. Mm -hmm. So it's just kind of funny <laughs> that we both thought the other person was like a bit of a snob, a bit of a bitch. And then we ended up being <laughs> super good friends. And you guys have become relatively close, haven't you? Yeah, I mean, we're definitely still in contact. In, in fact, she's going to be one of my bridesmaids in my upcoming wedding. So we, um, yeah, I would definitely say we're still in contact and still very close <laughs> Well, if I can put it that way, then um, I think our friendship can talk to a similar concept. I'm not so sure about what your opinion of me was when we were studying, but I definitely had the opinion that you were very educated and were irritated by people that were chatty and, you know, just, I don't know what the word well, is. Well, hmm, maybe I was a little bit. I don't know. I don't know. That does make me sound snobby. But I I can I attest struggle. to that you are not. You are, in fact, a very fun person and extremely caring. And um, now one of the people that I hold closest to my heart. I think, yeah, I struggle to relate to people who don't have a lot of substance. So mm, I get that. If, if, if all you talk about is the latest gossip or some celebrity or, or, or there's really like no substance, there's, there's never a time that you actually speak about something meaningful, that irritates me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, yep, but I probably fair. won't show it well at least I thought I didn't show it but maybe my face is more transparent than I thought it was your face showed it also because you brought your boyfriend at the time or sometimes he joined you in class and I was very confused by what was happening there I was like why why would anyone do that what like him from his perspective why would he want to come and sit in a class that's not meant for him <laughs> I did Oh, know. yes. He very often came to class and I watched this unfold and I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> I don't get it. Which boyfriend was this? Oh, really? Mm -hmm. He would come and sit in his military attire and sit against the wall in class. Wow. I've just totally blacked that out of my memory. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> okay. Well, I also have no fucking idea why I did that. So I now share your opinion. That's well, we're be best it. friends now, and um, I think it turned out for the best. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Learned something about myself today. <laughs> okay. Okay. Moving along swiftly. Next yep. question. Do you have any irrational phobias? I've got many phobias, but I don't know if they are irrational. Okay. What is an example of a phobia that you have? I am petrified of heights, no matter how high it is. Like I can be, I don't know, sitting on something that's one to two meters high. Sitting on a horse, for instance, when I look down, gives me the shivers, um, makes me want to have diarrhea. Um, <laughs> I actually was going to say that. It gives me the shivers. <laughs> it does give me the shivers. <laughs> that poor horse. <laughs> 
I don't, mm, I don't, I can't really think if I have any irrational phobias right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I can say that as a kid, I, well, actually, I still have a fear of deep water. So okay. if I can't see the bottom of whatever body of water I'm swimming in, it gives me the heebie-jeebies because I always imagine like this, you know, great white shark, jaws, monster type of thing coming up from the depths. I don't think that is irrational. I think that is very fucking rational. So I will not swim where I cannot see the bottom. Um, Or if I'm like in the ocean, I will go knee height. That's about it. So okay, that's um, a bit other than that. Oh, go fly a kite, Lauren. (laughs) I I can tell you an irrational phobia I had as a child. Well, not a phobia, Mm -hmm. but a fear that I had. Yeah. And I... When I brushed my teeth, I would very seldom brush my teeth facing the basin because I was really terrified that there'd be a dinosaur that comes to get me from behind me. (laughs) So, (laughs) you know, like, like, you know, Jurassic Park, like velociraptors and T-Rexes. And for some reason, I, in my child mind, I like revived them and brought them back to this very average <laughs> suburban house in Pretoria. That, that was the most unexpected thing. <laughs> so Here I was expecting you to say something is going to come out of the drain. <laughs> but you decided to bring to life a dinosaur. That is cute. No, oh, that is cute. <laughs> okay, it was probably more realistic that something would come out of the drain. But uh, yeah, so then I guess that one does count as irrational. <laughs> I used to believe there was a little man that lived in the drain. So when the water runs in, we we in in preschool they used to give you those purple tablets to chew, and then you had to learn to brush your teeth properly. And uh, I well, okay, okay, I'm not going to ask too many questions. I am not <laughs> aware of this. They did like a teach you how to brush your teeth when you're in preschool and then you chew purple tablets that make your whole mouth dirty and you have to get all the purple off your teeth and in this Mm -hmm. uh, educational session they would make you spit the water into the drain obviously but they would say if you look into the drain you'll see there's a little man that comes up and winks at you to tell you that your teeth are nice and clean and when you look into the drain because it's dark when the water runs down it reflects the light back at you and it makes this little flash that comes out of Mm. the drain so I spent my life probably up until I don't know late primary school believing that there was a little man that lived in the drain that determined how clean your teeth were (laughs) okay that's far-fetched but hey it worked (laughs) right oh well it's either that or dinosaurs okay I'm actually not even sure which one of those is more realistic (laughs) Next question. Are you more or less romantic than most people? Um, I would say more. I, I agree. I think I like to think of those sort of little touches um, that mean a lot to my partner. So, you know, something that's really aligned with their interests and, and also, you know, what's going on in their lives and romantic gestures. And yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. I would say I'm more romantic than most people. I think that probably ties into your uh, love language of gifts because it makes probably. you think of mm-hmm, it makes you think of you know those small things that will come across as a gift. You're doing something for them. You enjoy seeing the reaction that you get from them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
probably true. What about you? I think I'm pretty average. <laughs> I think I fall in the the middle class, like yes and no. It depends on what the situation is, but my creativity juices do not flow very well. So mm. if I come up with doing something, it's either because I'm feeling really mushy towards someone or like I know what you appreciate and I know that you will appreciate something like that. But for me to come mm -hmm. up with something really romantic is probably not the most likely. Okay. Should parents have the right to name their child whatever they want, no matter how bizarre or inappropriate it is? Yes, I do think so. What do you think? No, I don't think so. I mean, what if you um, want, like, what if some parent wants to name their child Swastika Hitler or something? Do you think they have the right to name their child that? Well, if you've got the right to reproduce, then surely you've got the right to do whatever you want. Well, yes, but I just, that poor child. I just yes, think, I mean. I agree. I agree. I, I I don't think that it's fair on the child, but... So then maybe the, the next question should be then, should children have the right to change their names legally before the age of 18? Which I would then say, yes. You know, okay. Yes, maybe. but I would... There's got to be some kind of, you know, age range around that. But I mean, like, if your parents called you something offensive, or that is seen as offensive in society, and you don't want that name then, you know, you should also be able to change that and not have to wait until you're 18. Yes, yes, I agree. I think um, there would have to be protocols around it. But I also think that if a parent has the right to call their child something ridiculous, then that child has the right to having supportive parents when they want to have their name changed. But I think within reason, obviously. Hmm. Okay, well, I have when I have kids, I have a rule on naming is that first of all, it has to be, I say unique, but I don't mean unique that like nobody's ever heard of this name or nobody knows how to spell it or anything. I mm. mean, like, I don't want to name my daughter Natasha, for example, because mm. or name my son Michael, because mm. there are Very millions and millions of people in the world with this name. And um, it must be easy to spell and easy to pronounce because as somebody who has lived their life being called Renate instead of mm. Renata or the more German accent is Renate. Yeah, I, I do not want to put my kids through that. So I definitely will not be calling them anything bizarre or inappropriate. That, yes, that's, I agree with you. I think I, I like unique names and I like uncommon names. But I feel like if I like a name that someone else doesn't like, then that's tough shit for you. Because if I like it, then I get to use it. True. True. What is something that you've learned in school that you've never had any use for in the real world? Mathematics. <laughs> I, yeah. Okay, let, let's say advanced mathematics. I mean, yes. I haven't... I haven't found a single life situation where I've had to call on the Pythagorean theorem in no. the last, whatever, 12 years that it's been since I was in school. So No, my, me neither. No. 
On the contrary, I actually think that people should, or that schools should really teach more practical things, like mm. how to do your taxes and, you know, those sort of admin things that you have to navigate as an adult that you have no idea how to do. Mm. Okay, next question. Do you think that you would have been a very different person if you had different parents? Hmm. Well, in our previous episode, we were talking about the echoes of your upbringing and who you are today. And, um, you know, mm. we discussed at length the impact that your parents and parenting style and things that you're exposed to in your childhood can have on you. So I guess, yes. Um in a sense, yes, I'd say I'd be a different person if I grew up with different parents because other parents would have had other beliefs and values and would have exposed me to different things. But in the same time, I also think that your personality is really ingrained. So there's probably a good part of me that would have still turned up, turned out like this in some kind of way. Okay, that's fair. Yes, I think I would have been a different person. I think... Uh... I think genetics has a large role to play in the way that your personality turns out in any case. So if my genetic makeup was completely different, then yes, I'd be a different person. But if I was born to the parents that I'm born to today, but raised by someone differently, yes, I agree. I feel like there would be elements of who I am now. Hmm. Interesting. What do you think about before you fall asleep? What I have to do tomorrow. <laughs> I'm very future focused. And uh, even as a little girl, the when my dad put me to bed, the 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 thing I would always ask, was machen wir morgen, Papa? Which is German for, what are we doing tomorrow, Dad? So, um, and every single night without fail. So I am thinking of my to-do list and my agenda for the next day. I plan what time I have to wake up for the day yep that's probably mm -hmm. i said i <laughs> set my google alarms she um has a routine alarms. Plural. Alarms. plural yep i'm that person it takes me a good five or six alarms to wake up in the mornings especially if it's an early morning okay no i'm one of those my alarm goes off and i'm like sitting bolt upright in bed and ready to tackle the day kind of people. oh no nah, couldn't do it if I have someone next to me, then yes, then that's me. But if I don't have anyone next to me and my time is my own, it takes mm. a lot. All right, next question. Who was your idol when you were growing up? Dare I say it? Um, okay, what age are we talking here? Um, okay, who was your idol? Britney Spears. <laughs> okay okay well okay then i don't feel so bad about saying mine because, <laughs> who was yours well my my i'm okay i'm gonna take one because i had you know obviously your idol changes a little bit as you grow up um mm -hmm. you know you don't always like the same things with the same people from when you were seven to when you're 15 mm -hmm. so i went through a phase where Rugby is a really big and popular game in South Africa, as you know. And there was a 
goodness, I can't even remember the name of the position. The one that wears the jersey with the number 15 fly half? I don't know. The one who the one who kicks the ball anyway. See, I've now erased this part in my in my, my in my memories. But um I really looked up to Percy Montgomery. Do you know who Percy Montgomery was? I have no idea. Oh, okay. Well, if any of our listeners are rugby enthusiasts, they would know. He was very prominent, dyed his hair platinum platinum blonde and was a little bit effeminate and yeah yeah anyway so it was like an unusual person for me to be obsessed with and that was it like I think I was 12-ish that is surprising and a little bit random yeah even even I can look back and identify like that's an odd choice I mean I still, <laughs> en- I, st- I, mean, I still enjoy watching rugby and I um and actually the rugby world cup is in France this year, and my dad and I are going to go watch a match. That's how I feel. Oh, exciting. Um, but I'm not like that super enthusiast about it. So interesting. Hmm. Okay. Hmm. Ooh. Is it okay to lie to avoid hurting someone's feelings? No. I think that. One lie leads to the next, and in the end, it could just be a lot more hurtful than what it would originally have been. I do think, though, that um, not sugarcoating it, but uh, choosing the correct way to say it could lighten the blow a little bit. Mm. Being a, a bit more delicate or a bit more diplomatic in how you... Yes. Yes, diplomacy could probably hurt a little bit more, but yes, being a little bit more sensitive towards how how you approach it. Yes. What do you think? Okay, I probably agree with you. Is I was first going to say that it depends on what are you lying about? You know, Mm -hmm. are you you know, does does a friend ask you, Do I look good in this dress? and you say yes and you actually think she looks hideous? Or you know, is it not telling not telling a friend that her partner is doing drugs so that they don't get hurt, but then it all comes out anyway? Like, you know, you could have something really small that you're lying about and something really, mm. really big. But actually, it's not okay to lie. So mm. if you can still find a diplomatic way of, for example, telling your friend that, you know, maybe a different color would suit her better or something, mm-hmm. yeah then then go for it but I guess share the truth in the instance of your partner being on drugs and your best friend not sharing that with you how would you what's your perspective on that in terms of answering this question um well that actually happened to me uh this is why I'm asking yes yeah, not a um not a best friend or anything but a, a good mutual friend that actually mm-hmm saw it happen after a certain uh, we'd all attended a certain event and I'd I'd fallen asleep um, after it and saw it happen and only after we'd gotten divorced and everything did the friend tell me oh I actually actually saw this and I knew this and that um, that was that was really hurtful because Mm -hmm. I mean, ultimately it came to an end and it didn't work out. And maybe this is a story I'll go deeper into on a different episode. But that hurt. 
that hurt mm. knowing that I didn't get the truth earlier. So if you had to find out that one of your friend's partners was cheating on them, how would you approach that situation? I'll tell you my, my views on it, but how would you approach something like that? Well, I, my, my interest and my concern is for my friend. Mm. And um, the thing is, is that things like this come out somewhere, somehow it'll come out later. And then you're in that situation of, ooh, but I actually knew earlier and I didn't say anything. Um, so you know what? I feel that my duty is to my friend. And I know that sharing that kind of information will be very, very painful in the short term. But in the long term, I think it is the better and the healthier decision or the, you know, what her life will be like in the long term is better than what it would be, you know, being in a relationship or a marriage with a cheater. Mm, absolutely. I agree. I'm 100% with you there. I feel like my responsibility lies with my friend. And I think that if I were in that position where a friend had to come to me, I would be appreciative of them telling me that. I think obviously it would also depend on how it was told to you because mm. I did have a friend, it was way back when, but I did have a friend come to me and tell me that my boyfriend had been cheating on me, but it was because she wanted to get into his pants. Um, so that was a little Ooh. bit different. And she also was a friend. Yes. Mm. All right, let's move along. I think let's do one more question. Yep. Ah, oh, a nice easy one to end it off with. Do you prefer paper books or ebooks? Paper books. So do I, but for somebody who travels a lot for work, it's a lot more practical to only take an iPad or a Kindle. Um, Absolutely. You know, if you're traveling. So begrudgingly, I am reading more ebooks nowadays but you can't beat this the you know that fresh new paper smell of a new book oh. yes I think it depends on what book it is for me as well if it's um a storybook then I prefer I, I prefer a paper book I'm not opposed to reading online but I prefer a paper book if it is something like an academic book <clears throat> I actually prefer to have it online because the idea of me getting up to go and look through a bookshelf and then have to sift through a book repulses me I would much rather just pull it up if I'm doing something I'd rather just pull it up on the computer and be able to reference it right there in front of me mm. okay that makes sense but yeah I think that's enough questions for today yes I think that that was fun yeah it was I actually because I mean there are literally hundreds of questions on on this on these cards so we should do another episode like this sometime this is quite a lot of fun yes before we end it off I have a new segment that I wanted to bring in or that I thought could be fun and we have called it resonate or debate and the segment is on if you come across something during the week that you find really resonates with you that you feel you want to share then coming on here to share it would be fun and to talk through it or if you find or you come across something that you just absolutely don't agree with coming on to debate it could also be fun that sounds interesting i'm game so i've got a quote something that my sister sent me the other day that i think um was quite profound it says 
when you understand every opinion is a vision loaded with personal history, you will start to understand that all judgment is a confession. Wow. Okay. That's, that's profound and a bit much for my brain to absorb. It resonated with me because I think if I like to think that I, well, I think everyone has a measure of judgment that they, uh, you know, no one, no one doesn't ever judge anyone. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think that the things that we tend to judge other people on is a projection of your own insecurity. For instance, if I look at someone and judge them on, I don't know, their hair being dirty, it's because I'm feeling particularly insecure about the way that I'm looking and the way that my hair is looking. (laughs) That's a bit of an abstract example. But yeah, I guess it also, but it's not just, um, you know, what does it say that judgment is, um, or that it's got to do with personal history. It could also just be values or, or preferences as well. For example, I also don't like, I hate it if my hair feels dirty. So if I see that in somebody else, it also makes me go like, Ooh. but is that judgment or is that just an opinion? It's a little bit of judgment if I'm honest. So then do you feel like you are projecting your own insecurity of your hair looking and feeling like that onto someone else? I wouldn't say it's my insecurity. It's just that I don't want my hair to look like that and I would feel disgusting. So I guess that feeling, yeah, maybe I am projecting that, but I wouldn't say that I'm insecure about it. Maybe not insecure, but it's a bit of a confession on how you're feeling. And how you view it. Okay. Yeah. True. True. We'll leave it there. That brings us to the end of our episode today. If you're enjoying listening to Unconditional and Uncensored, please subscribe and go and give us a rating. Um, a five-star rating would be very much appreciated. And if you have time to drop us a comment, that would also be great. Um, follow us, rate us, tell your friends, and hit us up on our socials. We are on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook. Until next week. Bye. Bye.